Welcome to Disrupt You. This is the show where we'll hear what changes are headed to colleges and universities in all departments. We'll learn what innovation really means in higher education. Welcome back to season three of Disrupt You. Disrupt You, where we talk about everything of innovation in higher education. And I am ecstatic to introduce the third co-host. Remember, we do a new co-host every season. We get into season two. And we've got a, we've got a good one. And Aaron Boswell. Aaron, please. Let me just ask, tell us your story. How'd you get into higher ed? Tell us what you do now. Tell us who you are. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And my name is Erin Boswell and I, my story. So I really, I actually started out as elementary ed. I don't even know if you knew that, um, but got into a classroom. Really, I'm real passionate about experiential education because it helped me figure out like, oh my gosh, I do not want to do this. I was like, I can't do this all day, every day, but I really liked my experience in college. And so I was like, how, how can I keep doing this? How can I help people have the same experience? And so I ended up, um, doing, you know, I got a degree in marketing and then I um, went and got my master's in higher ed and here I am. And so the majority of my work has been around student involvement, student activities, but it kind of morphed into this orientation experience, which I was pretty involved in orientation when I was a student. So I knew that was something I really liked. Um, dabbled in some career um, work for a while, and I still feel really passionate about career work. Uh, I think it's part of all of our jobs, really. Um, but then now I'm kind of back into this first year experience land. And so um, I, I love working with new students because I think college is such a huge investment, which I think we're going to talk about today, but also it's just a really big time in your life where a lot of things are changing. And I like to think about, Hey, how can I help make that easier, that transition easier? Um, and then I work a lot with student success. So thinking about how do we keep students on path? How do we keep them here? How do we get them to completion or graduation? And then really long-term, how do we get them a job? Um, all of that's really important to me. So that's kind of my quick story in a nutshell, but um, kind of where I land in the higher ed spectrum. I love it. So what's one project you're working on right now that's like a passion project? Do you have something going on? Well, I would say because it's August, uh, orientation is my passion project right now. So uh, orientation, which really in the last two years has morphed a ton with the onboarding process because of, because of COVID. And what testing looks like and what moving in looks like and, and what orientation looks like. So it's been really evolving a lot. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk a lot about how COVID changed higher ed on this season. But it's changed a ton about how we onboard students. Um, but I think some for, some for the good, right? Like some of it's like, whoa, this worked a lot better. So my passion project right now, because it's August, is definitely um, getting orientation ready for, for new students and families. And I got to tell you, I mean... Yes, I think COVID and the changing of what we're going into in fall is, is, you know, big for on the faculty side, I think it's easier. I think we're going in thinking, okay, it's going to be better than last year. But on the other side, from like the student success side, man, I cannot imagine I am someone I will not complain today, because I can just imagine the amount of stress and not the unknowing of what's going to happen specifically what's that first week going to be like and being able to have to pivot because well we've got the delta going on now which you know fall looks different today than it looked three weeks ago I'm sure and it'll look different in two weeks when we actually get here like it just keeps evolving yeah, yeah. 
So I'm excited for you to be on the show. You, Aaron, you see it. You're seeing it from that student success side. So I'm excited to see your take on some of these thoughts. And so you brought it up already to begin with, but we're talking about the first year, right? Knowing about these first year students, we're talking about those students that think about the cost of education, cost of higher ed. And I, we could go through and we all know the inflation rate for higher ed is higher than anything else, literally anything else in the U.S., right? We've all seen those stats. Let's talk about the ROI here, right? Let's have this episode, yeah. the future ROI of higher education. So we know the inflation is super high, just to kind of lay the groundwork, the inflation is super high. And I want to lead you with this, Gen Z, right? Obviously, we're going to be mm-hmm. talking about a lot of generations with, with higher ed, but Gen Z specifically, I saw a recent data point that said they're 7% less interested in college compared to millennials. I want to set you with that. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely are. Um, I think we are feeling that as an industry, um, we're trying to you know navigate different different markets, different you know ways to package this up. But uh, yeah, that that's a definite. It's a critical moment in higher ed. I think we're at a real like fork in the road kind of thing where we. I mean, you can either just keep going with what you're doing, which uh, you know, spoiler alert, I don't think that's going to work. Um, or we have to reinvent what does this look like? And it has to be appealing for the next generation and for generations to come. I mean, I think that's so, so critical to what we're doing. We can, we can keep kind of on this traditional path, especially for maybe some of our adult learners who that's what their expectation is of education, but especially with COVID, there is no like base expectation anymore with what education should look like, especially for, for Gen, um, for Gen Z. So it, it's going to be critical that we rethink what the heck we're doing um, in terms of what is higher ed. Yeah. I think you can go so many ways. And I think we need a bigger yeah. boat to really understand like the different ways that we talk about, but when, what, what are you seeing from your perspective? Cause you work with a lot of first year and I know we're, we're just talking about Gen Z right now in that traditional, we'll talk yeah. about the, you know, certs and masters in, in, in a little bit, non-traditional students. When you're, what, what are you seeing from incoming freshmen, that 18 year old, 17, whatever the case may be, what are they saying that kind of like puts a f- red flag in your ear? Like, Ooh, that's, I haven't heard that necessarily from the years past. I think they are. I don't know how to say this, but they're more interested in getting right down to their major than I think we've seen in the past. I mean, there's always been students that are heavily interested in it, but I'm seeing it on a, on a broader scale. The other thing is they're already talking career. Um, I think way earlier than we've seen in generations past, I think there was the, there was, and still is this experience to college that a lot of students want. But I, I'm seeing more and more of Gen Z saying, I need to get in, I need to get out, I need to get to work, I need to start making money. And this is too big of an investment to like dilly-doddle dilly, dilly around, if you will. Um, not that I think that's what people are doing in college, but I'm seeing it more and more with, with traditional age students. I mean, I think um, we're seeing more Gen Z just go straight to online education because they're like wanting to get it done. And again, it's not everyone, it's not across the board, but it's a definite bigger percentage than I think we, we've seen in any other generation. Yeah. And I think that's a takeaway, right? Is that flexibility. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that more, but 
you've got to have the on-ground, the online experience, a hybrid experience, all of these different platforms that we think of as, I think stereotypically you think of the 35-year-old the parent that needs flexibility. And that, I feel like that usually leads the conversation of online. But mm -hmm. what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is, no, I mean, we've got 18-year-olds, maybe not all the classes, but yeah. one class a semester or one, is that what I'm hearing? Well, and I would say we're surprised at how many 18 year olds are just straight signing up for online education. Mm -hmm. I mean, not even, they're just surpassed, like they're not even coming here. And mm -hmm. we're talking the same institution. They're opting in from the very beginning. Now you're seeing it a lot with your traditional student that's coming here and they, they want more flexibility. They want to take a couple online classes, a couple on ground, on -ground classes, but I am I am shocked at how many traditional age students are just opting out of the whole experience, if you will, and saying, I'm just doing all online. I think that's a generational thing. And again, I don't think the experience of a four-year degree is going away today, mm -hmm. but, but I think it's, I think it's changing the, the needs and the wants of, of this generation are different um, than we've seen before. So on the other side from, cause you see, what's really cool is you see others. I don't get to see that as much of like outside the classroom stuff. Are you saying that student life experience, the dorms, the parties, the non, you know, commissioned Maryville part or, you know, university parties, the just parties in general, the concerts, et cetera, is that more important now than the past, less important now than the past or it differs? I don't know. I think for some students, it is still the thing, you know, mm -hmm. it is still the experience. And even when I went to school, I was very involved, you know, but there were still students who were coming to class, going home, just they were there to get the degree. You know, they were working full time, that kind of thing. But I think you're seeing it more. And I think you're so, in some ways you see it because there's a need. I have to work because of these financial commitments I have, or, you know, I have to help support my family. But I'm seeing it even more as a desire to get to career early, which is, I think, a little bit different. You know, you used to have, I have to work or, you know, you know, or I, I want this experience. And there was this kind of dichotomy, but there's something in the middle now of like, I really want to get to my career. That is my goal right now. And I may want some experience, but I might not want some experience, which I do think is, is different. And um, I don't think the experience is going away. I also think the experience is important for those that want it, but I think there's this new kind of very career oriented segment of Gen Z that we, we're, we have to be aware of as higher ed. Yeah. I think the, the, my big takeaway is it's not one product like it used to be like, again, product oh. is a bad word when you come to academia, but like, it's not, it, we, if we were going to use that term product, it's not one thing anymore. It's not one skew. If you're from the, the retail mm -hmm. world that I, I worked in back in the day. Yeah. Right. It's multiple SKUs now. And we have to be able to feel uncomfortable, right? As faculty members to say, okay, how can I do this in multiple variations? I can't muscle it through saying this is the way I like it. So I'm going to just keep muscle. I mean, I guess you can do that for a short term, but you're going to get run over <laughs> is what I'm hearing from Aaron. Man, I, I like that like skew metaphor just like went to my soul. Like it was me at Target checking people out and they want to like, I have five Pepsi products. I'm like, I don't care. I need your Mountain Dew. Like, I got to know what we're selling so we can restock the right thing. But that's so right. It's like, okay, we might, the end product might still be the bachelor's degree right now. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of other products offerings coming forward, but you're right. Like, okay, 
you want the Mountain Dew version. You want the Diet Pepsi version. You want the Pepsi version. It's like, okay, we got to know who wants what in order to be able to, you know, scale up our services in the, in the right way. Mm-hmm. I want to get, I want to put a pin in that. I, I want to ask you about that, about the bachelors and other things. I want to go back to what you said before about students coming in being very major oriented, right? They come mm-hmm. in, they say, this is my major, this one which is fantastic, right? It's good that they know. I mean, I, I they have an ability that I didn't have because I didn't know what my major was, but that's But awesome. I don't even know if they're all, we definitely major oriented, but I think they're career oriented, which I think career. is a little different. Okay. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. like, I want a career. I want to get on with my life. I want to make money. You mm-hmm. know, I know I want to be successful. I don't think they all know what they want to do, but I do think it's important for us to meet them where they are in the beginning. Now you've still got your PTs, your nurses, super traditional. Like I know what I want to do. You're right. Like who knows that? I always envy 18 year olds who know that, but I think we've got Gen Z coming in saying, I don't know what I want to do. Here's what I'm good at. How can I make this work? How can I, how can I be successful with these things and this place I want to grow, but they don't exactly know how that fits into a major, if you will. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I want to ask you a, a, a heated pointed question. Okay. So I love it. we're talking about major talking about career. They want to come a career liberal arts. I'm, I'm on the side that, and we can get that liberal arts is going to be even more important moving forward than it has been in the past. There's more focus mm-hmm. on, but you're saying that career is the focus. Where do those things marry? Do they marry at all? Right. Where you're talking about the career focus, liberal arts. What's your, what's your take on the marriage of those two things? Okay, number one, they absolutely do marry at a fundamental level, but students aren't getting it and employers aren't getting it. And so I truly believe as higher ed, it's our job to connect those dots. So we have to show employers why English is important. I mean, English, they get that actually, you know, most people can draw those lines pretty well, but like, why do I have to take history? Okay, I... And I've told you this before, but I'll tell all of our listeners, um, like when a person takes history, I would love for them to experience that through the lens of their industry that they want to go into. So, you know, your comm students, you know, if they're studying World War II, they should be looking at like, what did the communication look like in that? What did radio look like? What did print look like? Um, what were the messages that we were getting to like get women on board with going back to work while men went to, to war? Like, what did that look like instead of just studying it through this neutral lens? It's like, no, study it through the lens of, of what you're trying to, to know more about and to understand. And so, you know, I really think we have to take liberal arts and, and rebrand it, repackage it in a way that makes sense for employers and a way that makes sense for students, because that's truly where so much of those soft skills, if you will, that employers are looking for, they get developed through those liberal arts. You know, that's this like, very, you come out of college more than just like a technical, like wizard. It's like, no, I have this whole rounded education behind me too. But again, if they don't know how to sell what they learned in history class to the employer, to them, it's not, it's not connecting. It's not making sense. Right. So I absolutely fundamentally think it's important. I think we have to figure out how to, how to rebrand that. I'm a big fan of what you say about selling. I actually think I like the idea of the university 
being the hype person, right? Or that salesperson of the student. So they're thinking of it as how can we package? So let's, if you're talking about how can I package liberal arts to the employer? I like this idea of taking that history class and giving badges behind it that the student leaves with that says, mm -hmm. okay, because I think I, I agree when an employer sees, to tell you the truth, employers don't look at transcripts. <laughs> that's, I think no. that's a lie that someone's been saying. They don't look at transcripts. If they did look at transcripts, they'd be like, oh, a history class. It's like a history class. But I think a badge that's, that puts on your professional ledger that's, you know, a, a digital asset. We've talked about, I think the resumes are, are dying and they're going to be dead. Mm -hmm. But if I have a badge that says, I can see the world and I can see my career, I can see the organization through this lens, whether that be empathy, critical thinking, vulnerability, all mm -hmm. these different areas, uh, user experience, right? Trends. I think trends would be interesting from a history perspective. If I can mm -hmm. show that through badges that use different terminology, like you know the history term, but it means this as far as the ability I have. I think that sells well to an employer. Yeah. What do you do? You have other thoughts? Yeah, I I love the badging. I also think like, what if you left with something for your portfolio or for your LinkedIn? You left with a project piece from every class that relates to what it is. Your, where it is you're going, what it is your career base, something that you can tangibly say, take a look at this. If, if you know, the person is interested, like you leave history with something related to what you're doing, but with a historical point, like you said, trends, like it would be really cool for a comm student to study trends in communication and what went up, what went down, what moved the needle that, that like, we, we don't want history to either repeat itself or we do want it to repeat itself depending on how it went. And so if a student understands from a historical standpoint what worked and what didn't, that's gonna make them stronger, right? Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't think we're connecting the dots well enough for either party, for students or for, um, for employers. And, and we could argue that that's not our job to do that, but I really think that that creates higher ROI, right? Mm -hmm. Like that really, that really gets to the heart of like, man, that's why I need history instead of a, a boot camp. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. that kind of thing. And to take a, a societal approach to this, right? So to put career on a uh, on a pause for a second and think of a societal approach of why this is so important for liberal arts. I'm, a, I'm and I, I wish I remember the the name of the book. I'm read. I just started this book. The subtitle of the book is "Why Knowing Facts Is Still Important." Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind this whole book is basically millennials and Gen Z, they know less than their counterparts. They just know facts less. They know less of what a, who the general was for this war. They know capitals less of states mm -hmm. and countries. Right. Because they can Google it. Right. They have. Yeah. They can, but millennials and Gen Z can find that information much quicker than anyone else. So there's that kind of duopoly of, is it better to know this stuff, less stuff, or maybe you'll find right. everything. And the, the take of the book is actually, it's important to know stuff. It's just no shit, right? Because yeah. there's some really cool research. And I would, that's where that liberal arts education comes from is there's some cool stuff like how you feel about gun control. This is one uh, test yeah. that's done in this book. And people that know about gun-related events, they just know mm -hmm. what happened. They know the people involved. Generally, they want, there's a much higher rate of them wanting more gun control. Individuals that are quizzed and said, when was the last gun shooting? What can you tell us about these events of school shootings and whatnot? If they just know less about those events, they don't want gun control. 
They overwhelmingly mm-hmm. they don't want gun control. So that just knowledge of what's happening, whether it be history or whether the case may be philosophy, can actually change your perspective of mm-hmm. large societal events, which I found super mm-hmm. in- interesting. I don't know. I think that could change society yeah. at, a, at a level, right? And- yeah, and and I don't disagree. I think it's important for people to have a wider breadth of knowledge. Like, and I think the bachelor's degree to some extent does that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're losing, um, I think we're losing focus on that. I don't, I don't know how to say that. And I, I don't know if it's a positive or negative thing yet, quite frankly, but, but I think Gen Z is less interested in it, but can we have this win-win opportunity to say, well, if we market it better, if we sell it better, if we connect those dots better, we're doing both of those things. They're getting, they're getting those courses that, you know, we think just add to their breadth of knowledge and their, you know, ability to be human beings and, and go out into society and to, mm-hmm. to make positive impact. But also we're showing them why this is important to their future employers. And we're showing them why this is needed above and beyond maybe something else that they were looking at um, as an option. And so I think we have to have both of those hats on to, to get people, to get butts in seats, right? To get mm-hmm. butts in the seats. Like if we want to get them there to teach them these things, to to impact society on a whole. It's like, you can't do that if they're not there. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, I think with more and more options for what you can do after you graduate high school to get to the career, I think we've got we've to be really aware of that mm-hmm. um, and, and understand what it is we're selling and how we're packaging it up and, and how we're saying, you know, how we're showing the ROI or how we're showing, you know, what's different about this experience than, than something else. I love it. So a qu- last question before we get this one, I want to, I want to put this to you. So you're talking about changing that, R- that, that, that product that you're leaving with the ROI of this item does, how does micro credentials, however you say there's different words, micro credentials, cr- yeah. uh, certificates, et cetera. How do those things disrupt the bachelor's masters, probably not doctorate, but bachelor's and masters. How does it disrupt? What do you see? I think they absolutely disrupt them and, and maybe in really positive ways. I don't, you know, it's hard to say how this is all going to land, but it is basically, I think, different product, if you will, offerings, mm-hmm. and they get you to career. And so I, I think we just have to be aware of them and say, how are we offering them up? What is, how are they built into what we're doing? Um, I just think they're different product offerings. And we have to identify how those, how those change us, right? Like how those change us as an industry, um, both for good and bad. And, you know, I could argue that higher ed needs a little shaking up, right? Like it's not different enough than, than it was in the beginning. And so if certificates and um, boot camps and all these other micro credentials get us to something that looks different and more accessible and easier to obtain, then maybe that's what we needed. But I definitely think it's a disruption because anytime you have a great product and you start inserting other great products or products that get people to point B, I think there's going to be a natural disruption. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. And I was thinking, I'm coming, this is a 
straight on the top of my head. It's all perfected over time, but almost the bachelors and that's not going away by any means whatsoever. No. Um, but it's like a board game. Board, I love play, I actually played board games this past weekend. It was really fun. But board games have a definite end. There's an end to a board game, right? Yeah. Where a video game really has no end. Think of like a Fortnite or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It literally never ends. Those are two yeah. different both very enjoyable. I will have a great time with my I had an ice cream martini this weekend while playing a board game. It was delicious. Had a good time with friends. But there's just two different things, right? What are yeah. you currently looking for? And maybe five years from now, you're looking for the other thing, right? You want to build board or a, a board game when you were playing a video game for a while, right? I, th- I think that's a, a interesting take. So that's our first episode. All right, first episode on on disrupt you. We didn't cuss much. We didn't uh, we didn't ruffle feathers too much for this one. No. I'm excited for next week though because and I think listeners will like it. We're going to talk about this kind of hybrid approach going into specifically fall semester. We'll also talk about some maybe what we're looking at vaccination wise, right? Where some universities are requiring, some aren't. And I would love to pose this to you, Aaron. Let's come next week and pitch some innovative ideas on how we can encourage vaccination. Cause I think there's more universities that aren't requiring it mm, and probably in yeah. a tougher spot, right? How do they, how do they mm-hmm. balance that? What are some ways we'll come with this next week on what are some ideas we could encourage vaccination on campus or how to encourage a welcoming environment as much yeah. as possible. So we'll get into that next week. How's that sound? That sounds great. Awesome. Fun. All right. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Disrupt You. Have a question for the host? Just send that over to Dr. York via Twitter at Prof D York, and it could be featured on the show. We'll see you next week for another dive into the future of higher education.